Hi, and welcome to the Automotive Tech Info Podcast, the program where technicians talk to technicians, offering diagnostic tips in 10 minutes or less. This podcast is brought to you by Automotive Tech Info to help you learn while you listen. I'm your host, Tony Mala, and we'll be presenting information for and by automotive technicians in a unique learning opportunity to grow your knowledge, insight, and understanding of the automotive technology you see in the shop every day, one nugget at a time. Hi, we're back talking with Ken Coleman, ASE Master Tech of Great Falls Auto Repair in Great Falls, Montana. Ken, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me back. I'm glad to be here. Last time we were talking about the EGR system and we had a lot left to talk about. So I'd like to continue that conversation with you today, if you don't mind. Yeah. Well, let's start with, I know we talked a lot about the different types of EGR systems and obviously our listeners are interested in what happens when they go wrong. So can you give us some diagnostic or testing tips? How are these different EGR systems tested and diagnosed? The nice thing is, is with most systems, the goal is to activate the valve and see how it affects the engine. The valve is typically activated when the engine is running at a higher RPM, so you don't notice it while you're driving. But if you can activate the valve when it's at an idle, if the valve is functional and working properly, it will make a distinct difference. The idle will get really rough, and on smaller displacement engines, it can come darn near close to killing the engine. Hmm when it's working properly. So how do you determine if an EGR valve is working properly? There are two types, right? Vacuum and electronically controlled. Am I right about that? Yes. Typically they're divided into vacuum controlled or, or electronically controlled. And of course the computer's going to control them all in the end anyway. But for example, with a vacuum controlled valve, we're going to grab a vacuum pump. We're going to hook up to the line on the EGR valve with the engine idling and apply vacuum we're going to make sure that the vacuum is holding steady. So you don't have like a ripped diaphragm or something along those lines. And we're also going to notice that as you get to about 10 to 15 inches of mercury of vacuum, the engine should start to stumble. If it's not stumbling, something's wrong with that system. Something's wrong with the valve itself or something in the passages are plugged up. And that's a great indication that that's where you need to start. Should you apply vacuum and the engine stumbles, you know that the valve portion is working properly and that your problem is going to be on the control side. So you're going to start looking at vacuum switching valves and the computer control of those vacuum switching valves. And that's on the vacuum side. What about the electronic valves? Unfortunately, with electronically controlled valves, I can't make a general statement for every valve because some manufacturers will allow you to control the valve directly through the computer with an OBD2 scanner. And you can activate the valve while the engine's running, just like with the vacuum controlled valve, and listen for the idle fluctuations in just the same way. Some manufacturers don't allow you to actually control that valve. I'm thinking of, for example, the V6 Honda engine, 3.5 liter. You have to actually apply voltage to that valve directly to get it to actuate. The nice thing is is you can read in the diagnostic instructions in your service manual on which two wires to connect, positive and negative, but you can actually apply voltage and open that valve directly. Is there a time limit as to how long you can apply the voltage? There is. You don't want to hook it up and then go to lunch. But while you're testing, if you're consciously working on the engine, it's not going to blow up on you. 
you can let it run for 15, 20, 30 seconds, and it's not going to burn out that valve. It will get hot if you were to just walk away from it, go do something else. So don't go down that road. But while you're actively testing it, you're just fine. There's no need to be scared of it. Mm. And that'll give you the time you need to uh, listen for the changes in engine RPM that we're talking about, right? Absolutely. So you don't need to be in a rush. You'll know when you hear it, if it's working or if it isn't working. And you'll be able to tell that the valve is actually moving just by feeling the valve. I mean, you'll feel it click as you apply voltage. Gotcha. And when we see these things come into our service bay, why are they typically there? What typically causes the owner to bring it in? Is it a performance problem or a light on the dashboard? More than 90% of the time, it's going to be a light on the dashboard. EGR valves do have the ability to fail in the open position. You see this a lot with really late 80s, early 90s product more so than the more modern day vehicles. But you may actually have a performance issue in that if that valve were to stick open and the engine's idling, the difference that that exhaust flow causes at the idle will cause it to run rough. And you can have a mysterious rough running engine that is caused by the EGR valve, but more likely than not, you're going to have a code that sets and tells you exactly that you're looking at the EGR valve system. We'll return to our interview after this word from our sponsor. Automotive Tech Info provides professional technicians with a regular diet of repair information on BMW, Mercedes-Benz, Nissan, Toyota, Volvo, Volkswagen, Audi, Porsche, and more. It's free access to technical knowledge and insight from professional technicians for professional technicians. Simply register at www.automotivetechinfo.com to gain access to our database of technical wisdom that is easy to use and searchable by keyword, vehicle manufacturer, or publish date. It's a convenient technical resource to keep you ahead of what's coming into your shop every day. For more information, visit our website at automotivetechinfo.com. And now back to our interview. The latest model vehicles, of course, are wizards of computer control systems, networks, and everything else. You said the, the variable valve timing, et cetera, is eliminating the EGR. Are there any vehicles where EGR is not being used anymore? Yes. The newer hybrid vehicles where the engine RPM does not vary, it's really easy for the engineers to make the exhaust and the intake valve overlap to the point that the EGR function, the function of bringing exhaust gases back into the cylinder to take up combustion space is automatic. I'm thinking specifically of the newer model Pacifica hybrid. The engine runs at a set RPM. There's no variable valve timing. There's no differential control because the throttle doesn't actually move. So with that, we simply overlap the valves. It cools the combustion chamber. You lose a little bit of volumetric efficiency, but the engine runs perfectly clean and at a perfect torque range. When are we likely to run into an EGR valve? What year range that are still on the road out there? EGR valves we're going to see on some even modern vehicles, even 2022 models are still using EGR valves in a lot of applications, less so in the hybrid applications. In vehicles where you actually have throttle control, where you actually have RPM changes, we're going to have EGR valves for a while until we can come up with a way to independently control the exhaust valve opening and closing, like, for example, on the uh, Fiat 2.4 liter, where they have hydraulically controlled exhaust camshaft. 
until we get to where those are mainstream, we're going to see EGR valves because you can't independently control the exhaust timing to allow that overlap and the exhaust gases to come back into the engine. The exception being the hybrids where we actually have a steady RPM and the exhaust there, the camshaft overlap can be accomplished all the time. Hybrids are actually a pretty big part of the vehicle population out there at this point in time. And they're going to get bigger. But the vast majority of vehicles aren't hybrids or still regular ICE engines. If you're looking at a conventionally powered ICE vehicle, chances are it's going to have an EGR valve on it, regardless of where it's made, right? True. However, these engineers are getting smarter and smarter, and it would not surprise me if they come up with yet another way to eliminate that device. There's one thing we're sure of in the automotive industry, and it's things change. Automotive technology keeps on advancing at a breathtaking rate. And, you know, it's up to technicians like yourself to kind of figure all this stuff out when it tends to break or doesn't operate just quite the way it should. Let's talk a little bit about diagnostics. Um, What are some typical diagnostic strategies that you use in the shop? The most common problem we're going to see with EGR is a check engine light on the dash and a code stored for an EGR failure, whether it's a EGR circuit code or a DPFE sensor code or an insufficient EGR flow code will determine which direction we're going to go with the diagnostic. Prior to 2000, an insufficient flow code was by far the most common code you'd see with EGR. After that, you tend to get more of the circuit codes for the EGR valve or the vacuum switching valve or whichever control portion of the EGR system that has failed. And that's going to determine where you're going to go with your diagnostic. If you have a code for a circuit and a valve, you're obviously going to be grabbing your digital voltmeter to determine where the fault is at. Whereas if you have an insufficient flow, you're going to want to actually activate the valve and find out if it's flowing, find out if you actually have a flow problem or if it's a false code because the sensor isn't working properly. Are these things typically found, say, during an emissions inspection when the NOx numbers might be out of whack? In the states that have emissions testing, yes. In the current state I'm working in now, we don't have smog testing, but I was an AES, that's an automotive emissions specialist in Washington State for a time. And we would typically have a failure in the smog system with the fact that the check engine light was on, on OBD2 vehicles. An EGR valve wouldn't typically make a significant difference in a five-gas on test, but it will certainly set off a check engine light, which is an automatic fail according to Washington standards for the smog system. With EGR systems, just like every other electronic system on a vehicle, you have to know how to do voltage drop tests on the solenoids. On the sensors, you need to be able to understand what voltage you should be seeing, but you should see coming out of the sensors. You have to understand if your reference voltages are correct, that you have good grounds. Just the same as any other electronic device, we have to have a basic understanding of how to do electronic diagnostic to diagnose these these EGR valves. Ken, as usual, this has been fascinating. We spent quite some time talking about the EGR system, and I know we have quite a bit more to cover. So would you mind coming back again sometime to uh, fill us in? Absolutely. I'd love to chat with you and we can discuss this stuff further. We've been talking with Ken Coleman, ASE Master Tech at Great Falls Auto Repair, Great Falls, Montana, about how to diagnose an EGR system properly. Ken, again, thanks for your time today. It's been great. Thank you.